Listening. Listening is one of the most important skills you can have. How well you listen has a major impact on your job effectiveness and on the quality of your relationships with others. We listen to obtain information. We listen to understand. We listen for enjoyment. And we listen to learn. Given all the listening that we do, you would think that we'd be good at it. But in fact, we're not. Depending on the study that is quoted, we we remember a dismal 25 to 50% of what we hear. That means that when you talk to your boss, your colleagues, your customers, or even your spouse for for 10 minutes, they will really only hear two and a half to five minutes of your conversation. So one website was quick to inform me when I went looking for information about how well we can listen. Much of that is common sense. But if listening is so important in our relationships with one another at work, socially, or in the home, How much more important is it when it comes to listening to God? Specifically, we're going to think this evening about how we listen to what God has to say to us in a sermon as his word is opened up and taught. For we don't merely want to listen and hear. We want to be doers of the word as well. We want to listen and hear what God has to say to us. And where we see a need to change, we want to to enact that change and to go out and to serve him. So really this is the most important listening of all. You know, when it comes to talking about listening to a sermon, there's not much that that has been written on the subject. There's absolutely hundreds of books written on how to preach a sermon. uh, But there's not actually that much written for the congregation on how to listen to a sermon. But in saying that, this isn't a new idea. I didn't recall until I happened to be looking at it uh, for something else and I came across the fact that one of the catechisms of our church actually deals with this and summarizes in 75 words uh, what I'm going to try and talk about for 25 minutes this evening. So maybe as a summary to show where we're going, I'll just quote it. It says, The Spirit of God causes the reading and especially the preaching of the Word to convince and convert sinners and to build them up in holiness and comfort through faith to salvation. For the word to become effective for salvation, we must pay careful attention to it, prepare ourselves, and pray for understanding. We must also receive it in faith and love, treasure it in our hearts, and practice it in our lives. And there you have in a few sentences what we're going to try and unpack this evening. But I want to say before we go any further that as we approach this idea and this topic of listening to a sermon and hearing God in a sermon, we want to do so uh, constructively. So by addressing this topic, we're not saying that the listening in Kirkpatrick is bad. In fact, in my experience, it's exactly the opposite. It's really good. There's a real attentiveness, whether sitting in the pew or or if you've been leading uh, or reading or doing something up here, you know that people listen really well. So we want to deal with this constructively. But we want individually to think how we listen as individuals. That that when we hear God speaking to us from his word, are we obedient to his word? For Jesus said it is possible to always be hearing, but never understanding. And even if that isn't our experience in the present, how can we be careful to make sure that that doesn't become our experience in the future? How can we listen in such a way 
that we not only hear, but that we learn and put into practice when we go out from here. Christoph gave me a, a little book that the Good Book Company have produced just this year uh, called Listen Up, A Practical Guide to Listening to Sermons uh, by a guy called Christopher Ash. You might have uh, seen this book in the last edition of Reach Out, uh, for there was a book review of it. It's an excellent little book, uh, and not very long, so we can read it quite quickly. There's a couple of sections in it. One section deals with how to listen to a bad sermon. Uh, I figured that that wasn't really the experience of, of people who come here, so we're not going to deal with that this evening. We're going to focus more on the first section of the book, which gives uh, seven ingredients for healthy sermon listening. Now, whilst Christopher Ash does it in seven, I have, for the sake of time, restructured it and tried to do it in five uh, just in case anybody's reading the book later and wondering where I was in the midst of all that. So as we look uh, at, this, at this book this evening, we're looking for healthy ingredients to help us listen to a sermon. The first thing that we need to see is that when we come to listen to God's word, we need to listen expectantly. Yes, the Bible is good literature. A sermon might even be a good speech or address. But that's not what they truly are. God speaks through his word. In 1 Thessalonians 2, Paul makes an interesting comment uh, as he compliments the church in Thessalonica. He says that the Thessalonians accepted what Paul had preached, not as the word of man, but as it actually is, the word of God. A sermon is based on God's word. It's not about the preacher offering new or fresh ideas to add to the Bible. It must be based on what God has spoken in his word. And because of that, we have to take it seriously. We come to listen not because the preacher is famous or because they have some degree or other, but because they open up God's word. We are to listen expectantly. That means it's not a casual thing. That doesn't mean we can't relax as we listen. But it is a serious business and not to be treated lightly. I was interested also to see in Nehemiah 8 uh, that the people stood up uh, when, when Ezra opened the book of the law. So there's maybe an idea I could ask you all to stand. But seriously, when we come, the first thing we need to come is to come expectantly. Praying that God will speak. Our natural reaction is to hear just another human voice. The monotone. We want to pray that God would speak to us by his spirit. And we can expect him to do just that because he has said that he will. An opportunity to gather with God's people is never just an opportunity to hear just another sermon. It's an opportunity to learn more about God. And that is a privilege and a privilege, as we've already said, that many of his children in this world don't enjoy. Christopher Ash makes some suggestions how we can, we can assist ourselves in, in listening expectantly. He says, pray often for yourself, that by his spirit God will grow in you a heartfelt expectation that God himself will speak to you as his word is preached. Pray often, not just as the service commences. Then he goes on, if you can, try not to come to the sermon exhausted, but to come rested and ready to pay close attention. Now, obviously, the hard bit of that is that if you can. It's also important that we pray for the preacher Pray for Christoph and the others who regularly preach here that God by his spirit would help them as they work hard to apply his word, as they speak 
his word in, into your lives and into the situation of all in this congregation. Listen expectantly that God will speak. But secondly, listen humbly. Because if we're coming expecting God to speak and listening expectantly, then we must come humbly. For we recognize that by nature God's ways are not our ways. And God knows what is best. When his word impacts your life and mine, that will often mean change. And often that change may be uncomfortable. And the realization of that change that is required might unnerve us. And so we need to come humbly, ready to hear and ready to change. It's been said that we don't come to a sermon with a blank notebook. We come to it with, with all the pages scribbled over. Because life is complicated and complex. And if you're anything like me, sometimes we come and you feel the pages are well scribbled over. We come with our own ideas. We come with our own prejudices. And sometimes we even come with our own agenda, wanting it to be confirmed. We come culturally conditioned with an understanding of what is deemed to be right and wrong. And yet all of that must be open to correction if the word of God directs us to change. We must come humbly. Ash says comfortable doctrine makes me feel good about myself. It doesn't hurt. But health-giving doctrine hurts. I think Paul must have meant something of that in 2 Timothy 4 verse 3 when he warned Timothy about how the time would come when people wouldn't put up with sound doctrine. Instead, they would, they would want to suit their own desires. They would gather around those who would teach them what their itching ears wanted to hear. You know, those aren't the kind of sermons we want to be listening to. Faithful Bible teaching always causes offense. So instead of us getting annoyed or getting uh, concerned about the offense, we need to humbly think what God is saying to us and be ready to admit that so often we are wrong and God is right and we need to change Again, we can't do that alone. It's our, it's our natural instinct to just keep going our own way. But we need to pray that God, through his spirit, would help us to submit to his word and what he's teaching us. We come listening expectantly, expecting God to speak. Humbly, admitting that there will be those times when God calls us to change. Be ready for that change. But thirdly, we, we listen actively. In life day to day, people work hard. The mom at home running after her young children. The pensioner who can knit and follow those complex printed pattern things. The professional in their chosen field. And so on. People in so many aspects of life work hard. How is it then that sometimes people think that listening to a sermon should merely be passive? That it should be the easiest hour of the week? And that they should never be asked to think. If that sounds strange to you, good. That's great. But so often people just want to hear but don't want to think. I think that's something to do with just the type of society that we live in. But why should that be the case? Because if you go to the cinema, you'll have an opinion when you come out of the cinema of a whole lot of things. The plot, the acting, the director and, and, and probably much else besides. So in a sermon we're called to actively participate. There are a number of things that we can do to help us be active as we come to hear 
God speak in a sermon. Unless you simply want to be brainwashed, the first thing that we can do to be active is to check the word of God. The preacher only ever has borrowed authority. The preacher is not called to think up great ideas or great philosophies, but they're called to teach God's word. And you have the freedom to check that. You have the freedom to check God's word for yourself in your own language, in many different translations, with many different resources. And linked with that, if you have a question either because you don't understand something or, or because you think the preacher has gone way off track, ask it. Nobody minds people asking a, a genuine question, not as a booby trap, but as a genuine question, seeking answers and ready to be corrected if necessary. Check the word of God. Then probably when it comes to active participation in a sermon, the first thing that came into my mind was perhaps the taking of notes. For some that is helpful, for others it's not. For example, when I used to spend hours and hours taking notes during the week, I preferred to sit and listen on a Sunday. And yet at other times in life I've found taking notes helpful because it's helped me concentrate and keep focused. I've been in churches where there have been worksheets for the children to fill out or a summary of the sermon points on the announcement sheet. There's simply no one model about how we participate actively. We can't be prescriptive here. What helps one person might not help another. But the important thing is that that we are being active, that we are thinking and trying to learn. And most of all, checking God's word. Where did the preacher get what they're saying from? I remember a story, I think it was Desi Maxwell who told it. He said he was speaking to someone who who was saying that they had heard a series of sermons on, on one single verse of scripture. And they were amazed at this and they said to Desi, I never thought there was so much in that one verse. To which Desi replied, there probably wasn't. Check the scriptures. And then thirdly, as part of active participation, perhaps it's also important to think about preparation. That's quite straightforward in, in, in a place like this because here in Kirkpatrick, the preaching follows through books, generally speaking, or sections of books, the way we've just finished Galatians on a Sunday evening. What about taking time during the week to, to read say the letter or the book or part of a book through a number of times to get familiar with the context and and the story and just what is being said. I've been struck by that. Recently, I'm working through elsewhere at one of Paul's letters, quite a short letter. And it struck me that in the four chapters of the letter that I'll be working through in the next few weeks, there are less words in the letter than than there would be in a normal 20 or 25-minute sermon. So how easy it should be for us to to fit in time to read it through, not just once, but a number of times. That idea fits in well here in this congregation where the preaching follows a, a, a pattern. Listen expectantly. Listen humbly. Listen actively. But fourthly, listen in reality and regularly. Deuteronomy 4 verse 10 says, Assemble the people before me to hear my words, so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. The normal place for preaching is the local church. We hear sermons as as a body of people gathered together. Again, that is countercultural because in our society we like to be individualistic. It goes against the grain. 
But God's purpose isn't to shape us into a collection of individuals to each be like Christ, but to form us into a Christ-like people as a corporate body. As soon as I say listen regularly and in reality, perhaps you're thinking what then about the role of of MP3s or, or CDs or sermon downloads? The first thing I want to say is I'm not dismissing that. For people who are unable to get out of home or or, or miss services for other reasons. That is a tremendously valuable ministry. And I, I was involved in that in the days of cassette tapes many years ago. An elderly lady told me recently about how she receives a recording of the Sunday morning service on a Monday. She doesn't listen to it on a Monday. She puts it on the side and at half eleven the next Sunday morning, she puts the recording on and listens to it. So at the very time as the community gathers, she feels part of the community, sharing with them in their worship. It was a tremendous joy to hear that of a lady in her 90s. So we're not dismissing that aspect of ministry. But there is a danger for those who are able to be present in the community, to to come and gather with God's people, to dispense with that, and, and to download the famous preacher, Uh, from the states and on one hand who could blame you because if you wanted to hear a sermon this evening who wouldn't rather listen to tim keller than me but on the other hand you are here gathered with a community of god's people in the church on your own it's easy to get distracted if you're listening to a cd in the car it's easy to get distracted because you're supposedly concentrating on the driving or it's easy to fast forward through the tracks or it's easy to switch it off But in church you can't do that no matter how much you might want to. Also in the context of community, there is accountability in terms of response. Because you know what I have heard and I know what you have heard. Perhaps it even opens up discussion amongst family and friends. Another excellent example of this is is the way the discipleship groups follow questions on the, the morning sermons for one term during the year. That is listening together. As, as a body of God's people. Society is very individualistic, but that doesn't mean that we can dispense with meeting together as the church. For, we can't dispense with that for the iPod, no matter how good that sermon download might be. When we listen together, there is accountability, but it is also contextualized. Take the, the church community and change issues. That could never have been addressed in a sermon download from a remote corner of somewhere else in the world. Preaching in the local church addresses issues that are here and now time-specific. That's why we have to be here in reality, if we can, not just listening uh, to everyone and anyone on the sermon download. Because again, if we're downloading a sermon, we'll choose topics that we like and we'll miss out on a balanced sweep of God's word. We need to be there in reality. And we need to have a a, a real and regular presence among God's people. It's a misunderstanding to think that by some magic the Bible passage that I'm reading today will speak precisely to what I need today and if I open it up randomly tomorrow it will speak again. It's not about instant fixes. It is God's instrument to shape us and mould us into the mind and the character of Christ. That takes time. It even takes repetition. 
And there's no apology for repetition because Peter says in 2 Peter 1, I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. We need to be reminded to take care with our attendance. I can relate to that. That's something I struggled with in in recent years. Over the past couple of years, in the morning time particularly, um, I've been something of a nomad, traveling in and out of different uh, communities, maybe doing pulpit supplies. We might say on the one hand that's a legitimate reason to not be regular in one place. And I suppose to some extent it is. And yet it's not an excuse. And I know it made me all the more determined where possible to be in the one place in the evening. And made me appreciate all the more of being part of this community on a Sunday evening. And to be blessed by the continuity of preaching. Listen in reality. And listen regularly. And finally, listen submissively. We link back here very closely to the humility in the second point. We recognize that God's word often calls us to change. We must not only hear God's word, we must do what it says. In James 1.22, we read, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. We don't come to be entertained or amused, and maybe you're thinking this evening it's just as well. But preaching has a narrow remit. Paul reminds Timothy that the purpose of Scripture is for teaching, telling us what we ought to believe, to rebuke, to tell us what we ought not to believe, to correct how we ought to behave, and to train us in righteousness and telling us how we're not to behave. We need to listen submissively, applying God's word to our situation as God speaks to us. As God speaks to us through his word, when we hear of of an action that we need to obey, an attitude that we need to change, something that we need to start to do, do we think of it for a moment and then forget? Do we think in a week's time or a month's time, how has that passage, that time when I heard God speaking to me, has it made a difference in my life in the way that it ought? And again, we need to pray for God's help to enable us to be obedient. For every time we hear God's word, we always respond. Indifference is tantamount to rejection. There's no middle ground. I think it is as serious as that. The psalmist in Psalm 95 calls us to respond. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. May God give us the grace to listen submissively to his word. In that passage from Luke's gospel that we read earlier, Jesus said, consider carefully how you listen. And we've begun to to think something of that this evening. To be expectant that God really will speak to us from his word. To come humbly. That God's word will call us to change. To be active and not just passive. Thinking what does this mean in my life. To be regular and, and to be here in reality. And to be ready to submit even when that hurts, or even when that costs. Why is this important? Why is it important that that we take just an evening to to think about how we we listen, and how we respond to God speaking to us from his word? I think Ash sums it up well at the end of the section of his book. It's a long quote, but I want to read it to you. He says, Preaching that makes a church Christ-like under grace takes a double miracle. 
The sinful preacher must be shaped by grace to preach. And sinful listeners must be awakened by grace to listen together week by week in humble expectancy. Only God can do this. So praying before the sermon is not a formality. He goes on to say that unless God works, the whole thing will be a waste of time. But God loves to change us through preaching. And he loves it when we pray to be given a fresh repentance, a renewed faith, joyful obedience, and corporate Christ-likeness in the local church. Let's take a moment to pray for that now. Let's pray.